Good afternoon, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Coaching Falcons. Today's broadcast will cover dealing with varsity coaches, practices, locker room issues, and for this podcast will be serious and hilarious. I like to say that some of the names in this podcast will be changed to protect the individual players and or the coaches. First thing, as I mentioned earlier in earlier episodes, Coach Potter, Coach Wade, Coach Zimmerman, and myself had to change the mental toughness of our players to get us better. For example, during two-a-days, we had players that would miss practices. There's no way, as a coaching staff, we could change to a winning pathology when players aren't tough enough to get better. For that reason, we'll go to our first topic of today, and that is dealing with the excuses of the players. Some reasons for missing practices were pretty suspicious, and it became worrisome to the coaching staff. After a rash of excuses, Coach Z, that's Coach Zimmerman, and Coach Potter started posting on a bulletin board outside of the coach's office in the locker room a list of dumbass excuses that players had for missing practice. A few weeks ago, I found this list, and I wanted to share the top five reasons they gave for missing practice. Dumbass excuses. Excuse number five, I woke up late. <laughs> right. Excuse, excuse number four, I forgot my cleats. Excuse number three, my younger sister had hitting lessons today and I had to go with her. Excuse number two, is too hot to practice. And the number one excuse, or we think is the funny excuse, and this is true, we had Roscoe's tacos for lunch and I thought that JD had food poisoning and I was afraid to leave him alone. That's a dumbass excuse. And we had others, but that was probably one of the dumbest. We laughed about it and we punished them. They had to do pop-ups, maybe 500 yards of pop-ups and so on, even though that, you know, they said they were sick. They never got sick again. Now, I'd like to continue with a little bit of comic relief. I'm going to call this next portion or this next segment locker room quotes. Let me qualify this section by saying that the majority of these quotes come from one coach. Let's say his name is Coach Eugene. Hint, hint. However, every coach added to these quotes. I started writing these quotes down because the majority of the quotes were so spontaneous and were literally a stress release for the varsity coaches. Varsity coaches in varsity sports need a little comic relief because it's serious all the time. They're just as funny as hell, 
in particular at the time. They were just funny, period. So I'll start with some of these um, locker room quotes. And I'll give you a little bit of a setup. Uh, some things were happening at the time. Some were just spontaneous. I've got about 10 or 11 of them. The first one deals with a rival coach from a rival school. I'll say his name is Coach Thump. And Coach Eugene said this. I personally want Coach Thump. I want his ass to stay around so we can beat those guys every year. And you can tell him that Stone Cold Eugene said so. Next. Uh, we had some issues with kickoff coverage. We could not get 11 players out there that could cover a kickoff. And after going through it five or six or seven times, Coach Eugene got upset because the guys that were going down on the kickoff team just weren't doing their responsibilities. Now, you have to know Coach Eugene. Coach Eugene would explain it to you exactly what he wanted you to do. He wanted the lanes to cover. He tells you when to break down. He wanted all of that. And after the fourth or fifth or sixth time, those things weren't happening. So Coach Eugene got pissed off and said this. Give me the baddest, meanest 11 motherfuckers on the field. And about half the kickoff team walked to the side and about five or six kids walked on. And he looked at the other coaches. And, and we as coaches, we when Coach Eugene got that way, we all started to hide behind players. So he looked at us and said, you know, sometimes you can overcoach. That was funny. You had to be there. The next quote, players were complaining of a headache. You know, whether we had tackling stations or whether it was too hot or so on. Coach Eugene said this, son, the only reason you have a head is to keep your hands from sliding off of it. Visualize that picture. Next quote, player questioning his equipment assignment. This is another Coach Eugene quote. Son, this was, this was a kicker, by the way. Son, you don't need shoulder pads. You're a kicker. You just need a couple of Kotexes to put on your shoulders. Just saying. Next quote. Coach Potter on players' poor effort and why parents will make excuses for a game loss. Coach Potter said, you know what? They love you. They won't say that you are the problem, but they'll blame us. They love you, but they'll blame us. I'll call this quote number seven. Coach Eugene on why coaches have to make the team tougher and have to be tougher on them. Coach Eugene says, if you want to get ahead in life, you got to be a dick. Basically meaning you got to be tough on these kids because they're soft. If you want to get ahead in life, you got to be a dick. Profane. Coach Eugene. Coach Eugene, this is probably one of the funniest I've ever witnessed. So Coach Eugene is in the coach's office, and he's on the john. So I walk into the coach's office. Coach Potter's in there. Coach Z's in there. 
and the John door op the John door office of, of the office opens, Coach Eugene walks out and says, I feel better than I felt all day. He, he takes another step and goes, I've been working on my stance. And then he takes another step and goes, oh, shit, I clogged the toilet. Only Coach Eugene, you'd had to be there. All right, next. Number nine here. Um, kicker responsibility after playing Martinsville. Coach Eugene and I had to return the kicking net and uh, kicking equipment onto the bus uh, for the trip back to Perry Meridian. Now, normally, we would take our kicking equipment with us wherever we went. We had a, a net that we put on the back of the bus, and it was the kicker's responsibility to get the net on the bus, get it off the bus, get it back on the bus, get it back off the bus when we got back home to Perry Meridian. Well, this kicker in particular didn't go pick up the net. So Coach Eugene and myself, we went and picked up the field after we had beat Martinsville and was heading back to the bus. And so the kicker comes up and goes, oh, oh Coach, Coach, I forgot. I, I forgot. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Coach Eugene says, son, you only have three things you have to remember. Kick right, kick left, and pick up your shit. All right, next, a player asking a stupid question between practices, between two-a-days. And Coach Eugene, or it's Coach Zimmerman, I forget which now, he says, son, all your brains are coming out of the end of your tom-tom because you've been beating it too much. Visualize that one. I think that was Coach Eugene. Next. Don't put your PP where you don't want your tongue. That way you won't get drippy faucet syndrome. I still laugh about that one. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> and the last one here that I have, uh, there's a, a, a guy that was uh, a kid that was a punt snapper. I'll say his name was Wizenow. And uh, Wizenow is looking out dumbfounded, and we're getting ready to go out to practice, and Coach Eugene is getting ready to replace Wizenow. And uh, he's, Wizenow is trying to figure out, well, why, why am I going to be replaced? Coach Eugene says, son, you know why your snaps are so bad? And the, and the kid goes, no, Coach, why? He goes, you suck. Now, there are hundreds of examples of these quotes from that time that were the norm. I just can't remember all of them back then. I mean, we're talking, we're 20, 25 years ago now, just about. Seems like 25 years ago. And these are the ones that I just happened to write down. As a coaching staff, um, we all had to trust one another. We had a great relationship between Coach Potter, Coach Z, myself, Coach um, Coach Eugene. We had volunteer coaches, Coach Gould. Uh, uh, he helped out. 
Coach Duffy, Coach Feigl, these guys all volunteer. And we had to have a, a re relationship that we trusted one another. Uh, we wanted to see Prairie Meridian football team as one unit. There was no jealousy. There was no offense. There was no defensive attitudes. All four varsity coaches coach both sides of the football. I coach receivers on the offensive side. I coach defensive backs on the defensive side and was the defensive coordinator. Coach Wade coached running backs and the defensive line. Coach Potter was the offensive coordinator. He coached the offensive line and he helped with the defensive backs. Coach Z was a quarterback coach and was the offensive scout team uh, coach. He was responsible for that. That's how we worked as a staff. We all had input on what everybody uh, did. There were suggestions that I would give Coach Potter that he would actually um, try. If it worked, let's do it, Jay, is what he would say. If it didn't work, he goes, I ain't doing that shit, period. That's, that's how it was. If there were some things that I was doing, if you go, Coach, hey, hey Jay, did you try this? And I go, okay, that's a good idea. That's a good look. So we always, we always played on each other to help each other make our team better. So that's the way it was back, back at that time. Now, I'd like to transition to another um, aspect. This is another, really another story. And I'm going to call this, this last little piece here, uh, How to Catch a Thief. And this goes back to uh, when Coach Dave Enright was the head coach. So to give you a little uh, pretext to this, you know, in the history of Perry Meridian, Perry Meridian um, started in 1973. And from the very beginning of the history of the school, Perry Meridian did not literally have any home football games. There were no varsity games, meaning there were no varsity games played at Perry Meridian High School because we played all of our home games at Perry Stadium because Perry Meridian and Southport shared the same stadium. When one team was home, the other team had to be away. Well, we always hated that. I mean, we really did. We didn't like going over to Perry Stadium. You know, we always thought it as being Southport Stadium. We always had to pack up everything, take it over to, to the stadium, unpack everything and pack everything back up and take it back to Perry Meridian, unload it. Then afterwards, we'd have to copy film and so on. So this was a long process. Well, we would travel over to the stadium, and it, under Coach Enright, we took buses over to the stadium. Under Coach Potter, he allowed the kids to drive over to the stadium. They just had to be there at a specific time. You know, so whether we played it Friday night or Saturday afternoon, all the games were over at Perry Stadium. Right around the time, I want to say during the season of 1993 or 94, a couple of weeks in a row, players came to us on Monday morning or Saturday morning as we did uh, film study, and they were complaining about missing money after the games. The players would get together, you know, after the game, since it was a home game, you know, the quarterback club wouldn't provide sandwiches or anything like that. 
but the the players would get together and go to like Steak and Shake or someplace like that, hang out and eat after the game. We felt that there had to be um, someone breaking into the locker room and stealing the players' money. Or uh, we had to figure out if it was somebody from within the school district, somebody within the building that was stealing the kids' money. And, and literally going through the coach's office and going through the pockets of the coaches as well. So I decided to become a spy and I asked for permission from Coach Enright to set up a sting, op- a sting operation. Um, Coach Enright said, hey, that's a good idea, Coach Jay. And so um, Coach Enright goes and informs Mr. Holt, who was the athletic director, about the sting operation that I was setting up. And he gave us support to, to do this. With that being said, I set up a camcorder on a couple of the file cabinets in the coach's office and the camera was pointed towards the players' lockers, in particular players that had lost money, just right out in front of the coach's office. I covered the entire camera with yellow scrimmage vests and you really couldn't see the camera. The only thing that you could possibly see was the camera lens. That was the only thing that was not covered. You really had to look hard to even see the camera lens. Mr. Hope contacted one of the Marion County uh, Sheriff's Department, and we stationed him inside the coach's office in the shower because there was a door inside the coach's office where the shower was and the john over the head. So the scene was set to see if we could catch this thief. Now, we loaded up our players, loaded up all the equipment like we normally do, headed over to Perry Stadium, and we were going through our pregame information, going through our pregame practices and preparation. And Mr. Holt came down to the sideline and said that the deputy caught an individual stealing from the players and the coaches. Lo and behold, it was a custodian that was going through the lockers and going through the pants of the uh, coaches in the coach's office. The strange thing about the whole incident is that the camera that I had set up was pointing towards the locker room where the kids were. However, the window in the coach's office reflected off the uh, camera and we could see what was going on in the coach's office as well as what was going on outside of in the locker room. So the the custodian was caught by the the deputy and the, um, the, the picture shown by the the uh, camera shows that this custodian went through my pockets in which I had no money in my pocket because I had my money with me. And he went through uh, Coach Clore's pockets. You could see that from the reflection of the mirror, even though that the camera was pointing out towards the locker room, you could see in the coach's office and you could see this, this little short custodian had a mustache going through 
and taking money out of Coach Clore's pocket. Well, the deputy retains him slash arresting on the spot. They let us know. And to, to make the situation more weird, I guess I could say, the custodian came in Monday morning prior to the start of school and turned in his resignation um, before he could be fired by the principal. And at that point, we had never had any other problems other than that in our locker room. Um, we, we tried to keep the lockers locked. We had to remind the players, you know, as a precaution, lock your stuff up. If, some, if you leave your locker unlocked or without a lock on it, it's your fault that someone's going to come in and steal your stuff if you don't lock it up. So those were a few say that this is just a little bit of comic relief. You know, we can talk about the serious. We can talk about the comical. But um, that's how things were at that time. Uh, I'd like to say that um, I'll, I'm going to continue to... Um, move the podcast forward a little bit. Uh, if you have any stories or topics that you'd like to add to the podcast, please let me know. I know that someone gave a suggestion uh, earlier that I actually ran with, and uh, that episode uh, will air here within the next couple weeks or so. So once again, this is Coach Jay, and I'd like to say Go Falcons as part of my Coaching Falcons podcast. We have come together to fight for victory. Best friends with one another. Two, two, five, like one big family. Zero. So come on, mighty Falcons. Let's, let's join in on the fun. One. Our team three, is finally ready strong, to fight for number one. Cover one. Our team includes one, many three, things to help us win this fight. Guts one, cover one. Poise. Zero, one, three, Tomahawk, cover three. And if we don't do what is right, we'll find out what is wrong. Our team will never give up. Our team will never give up. Our Kamikaze. team will never give up. Cover Z. We've been fighting for too long.